This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I just point to the logo on my chest and tell them, Slammy, Ego, Slammy, Ego, Slammy, Ego, Slammy, Ego, Hit it up hard. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 346 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Padres, they just got their first win of spring training, knocking off the Chicago White Sox. World Series parade coming back on after the loss yesterday. No, just it's good to get a win, obviously. You know, just being a competitor, all those players out there, that's great uh, that they're able to get a win there. So the, the White Sox, I mean, the end of that game there, I don't know if how many people were watching that game. Um, but at the end there, the White Sox, they kind of fell apart. I mean, dropping pop-ups on the infield. There was the pitcher that had the pitch clock violation, which was interesting to see there. Uh, I think that was the first pitch clock violation that I, I've ever seen. Because unless there was another one in another game, the first one I personally have seen was the White Sox pitcher that did it late in today's game. There was another pitch clock, or not a pitch clock, but I guess a batter violation in the Red Sox-Braves game today. And it was bottom nine, bases loaded, 3-2 count with two outs, I believe. And the batter, he was not looking at the pitcher, so he was not ready when the eight seconds went off, when, when eight seconds were left on the clock. So he was called, it was called a strike. So the inning was over. The game was over because spring training, they don't go to extra innings. So it was done right there. And so I hope that doesn't happen during regular season games that actually count and during postseason games. Like, imagine World Series Game 7 and Jose Altuve's, you know, getting in the box and he's not looking at the guy on the mound. Oh, strike three, game over. You know? And Padres win the World Series. Like, that would be weird. That would be a weird ending. Like, yeah, they, that would be great if Padres won, but that would be a, that's just weird. You know, I understand that baseballs, they're trying to speed up the game. Like, that's why the pitch clock is implemented. But it feels like it's a little too much when it's the ninth inning and literally like a half second after the guy, the umpire called time, or as the umpire was calling time, the batter was looking at the pitcher. So, yeah, it's, I know that it's spring training, so the umpires, they're really trying to enforce it. That's why you're seeing, or that's why you saw, like, that call, and you saw the White Sox pitcher get called for it, right? Um, they're trying to enforce it, be really, really strict about it, because if they don't, then why even have the rule, right? Players are just going to continue pitching the way that they were pitching batters aren't going to be ready they're just going to take their time right how they were enforcing it on manny yesterday right just taking manny i don't know if he was taking his time he just wasn't ready when the clock hit or after eight seconds right after eight seconds were left he wasn't ready and so he got banged for it um it's something we're gonna have to get used to right that's just that's just the reality. It's something we're going to have to get used to. But anyway, Padres won today. Doesn't matter what the score was, but 6-2. Uh, some positives that I got from today. Trent Grisham, he went two for three. Had, I think it was first pitch single. He led off for the Padres, and then he had another hit. Second hit of the day was to right field. And then Jose Azokar came in. He had that single to left, brought in a run. 
I think it stretched into a double technically late in the game. Uh, Jake Cronenworth, Crony, he got an RBI single using that left side of the field. They, I'm already noticing it in spring training. I don't know about you guys, but I'm already noticing that there's going to be a lot more ground ball hits. There's going to be a lot more, you know, regular base hits that we're, we haven't been used to, right? Those those base hits that last year we were sitting there, oh, that's a hit. Well, it's going to be a hit this year. Last year, that was just a ground out. But those those hits, kind of like the one Crony had today, those are going to end up being hits. Those ones up the middle, gonna be at, those are going to be hits. The grounders like Grish had earlier today between first and second, those are going to end up being hits because there's no shift. There's no one sitting in shallow right field. Now, maybe a manager tries to, you know, be smart, like outsmart the room, like Buck Showalter or something, and they have like the right fielder come in and play shallow right field and they just give up an outfielder. They can do that. So I'm interested to see if which managers try to do that. Like if Joey Gallo's up at the plate or if Juan Soto's up at the plate, they have someone go play right field or right center and they risk the down the line double, down the line maybe triple in that case. But they can have an outfielder come play shallow right field and hope that Soto hits it there and they can get him out that way. That's another way I was thinking about it earlier today. So we'll see. Um, So yeah, Grish, I thought he's been looking good. It seems like he looks more confident, but that this is just the first action that we've seen of him, so I don't want to go overreacting to it. Uh, Azokar and Dahl, they're going to be battling it out, probably alongside Adam Engel for two of the final roster spots, right? Because of how good the Padres are, there's not going to be a lot of roster spots available, right? We know who the team is going to be, but with the Fernando suspension, you take him off the roster, at least to start the year, the outfield is Soto, Grisham, and then who? You're going to have four outfielders probably, right? So two out of those three will make the roster. Azokar, Dahl, Engel. Two of those three, I would think. I think it'll be Dahl and Engel. You have the right-left combo. Um, and you can have Dahl play right field, start in right field. It is pouring right now. I can definitely hear that through my headphones. Um, anyway, Dahl, Engel, and Azokar, I think it'll be Dahl and Angle. Angle, he is a little bit behind injury-wise. He's dealing with that calf strain, so I don't know if that's going to affect his opening day availability because he's not going to get into games for the first week of spring training. That's what Bomel was saying earlier today when he was speaking to the media. So we'll see if we'll see if Azokar ends up making the roster over Angle, and it's Dahl and Azokar. But I don't think it'll be Angle and Azokar. I think it's going to be Dahl and either Angle or Azokar. Dahl, I know it's one game, but he looked pretty good. Um, and he does have what Azokar and Angle don't have, which is a lefty bat, right? He's a lefty. So I think it's smart for the Padres to bring in a lefty, a righty on the roster, two outfielders. Angle and Azokar feel like the same guy. Angle's just the better offense option, probably. Just from what I've seen from Azokar, he's not that much of a threat. I'm not. I don't think pitchers are scared of Jose Azokar. I don't know if pitchers are scared of Adam Engel either. But Engel has the ability to hit one out. Azokar doesn't really have that. So that's that's my immediate guess right now. Like, if I had to give a guess, who's going to make the roster out of those three guys? I think it's going to be Engel and Dahl. But again, who knows if that Engel calf strain that he has the mild calf strain if that has like an effect on his chances of making the opening day roster how many at bats is he going to get is that calf strain going to end up lingering and then that gives azokar an edge so we'll see what happens there uh, but i liked what i saw out of doll today he had that triple um azokar had a hit grish had a couple hits crony had the rbi single um Carpenter, he almost hit a bomb, hit one to dead center today. Taylor Colway, he had a hit. I think he's going to be starting in AAA, I would say. Uh, Merrill, he got the start today, got a few at-bats. He did strike out once, but 
he has a cannon at shortstop. He was making some good plays on defense. And then on the pitching side of things, today, um, Lugo got the start. He went two innings, gave up one run, which was a homer. Dahl almost robbed it. Uh, two hits, one walk, no strikeouts. I, I can play the audio of him after the game, but he said that he looked good. Uh, or he said he, excuse me, he said he felt good after the game. He, he was able to use, or after his, it was during the game, but after he had his two innings, he said that he was able to use his pitch mix, uh, use all of his pitches during the outing in those two innings. So he felt good. And with, with Lugo, like I know he can pitch two innings. I'm not focused on the numbers, the stats, how he looked in two innings of work. I, I'm focused on more, or like I'm, I'm more interested in seeing how he pitches when he's stretched out more, when he comes back from the WBC or when he's in the WBC and he's pitching four or five innings, maybe he gets to six, but or pitches into the sixth. I'm interested in seeing how he looks then because that's what he's going to be. That's what we, we want him to be doing during the regular season, right? It's not going to be a successful thing if Lugo's pitching two only, you know, only two, three innings during the regular season, right? If he wants to remain a starter, he needs to be pitching well for five, five plus innings, right? So I want to see how he looks then when, you know, lineups get to see him two times around. Maybe the top of the lineup gets to see him a third time around. How does he look then? Same thing that, that goes for Nick Martinez as well. Uh, depth guys, seeing how they look as they get stretched out this spring. But, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the results. Lugo giving up a home run, okay, whatever. Like, that's going to happen. It's his first appearance. This isn't going to be an overreaction show on, you know, game two of spring training. Um, Aaron Brooks also pitched. Is it Angel Felipe? I think he pitched as well. Eric Hanhold. Uh, Matt Waldron. I mean, I posted this video on social media at Talking Friars on Twitter um, because I know a lot of Potters fans, they didn't get to watch the game today because it was on MLB TV and uh, it wasn't on Bally. So people were wondering where that I was watching it. And I, was, I have MLB TV and it was on the White Sox TV, the, their TV outlet. So I could stream it there. Um, but Matt Waldron today, he had a nasty, nasty knuckleball. I'd never seen this guy pitch before. Knuckleball, fastball combo, like, good luck facing that. I mean, major league hitters, they'll probably be able to face that. But that, that one dude that he was facing, I, I don't know who it was, the hitter, uh, he looked pretty fooled when he was facing Waldron. Maybe he gets called up at some point, you know, as that knuckleballer. But... I was, I was, you know, someone just watching the whole game, late in the game. Um, I was intrigued by Waldron. Never had seen him before. Then Jose Castillo came in. Uh, Michelle Baez came in. Both had an inning of work. Jose Castillo had a clean inning, I believe. No hits, no walks. That's more depth for the Padres, right, in the bullpen? More depth there. All right. Bomani, what's up? Did you watch this game? Oh, I can't see him. All right, let's get to the chat here. Let's see if anyone has anything to say. By the way, with the pitch clock, so the White Sox broadcast, if you're watching it, or you can just go look at the videos on my social medias, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, you could see that there was no pitch clock visible behind the plate. Like, you couldn't see it. Um, where at Peoria, the pitch clock was huge. You couldn't see the pitch clock at Glendale, where the White Sox, uh, the White Sox field was. They had it off more to the side by the White Sox on deck circle. So the pitcher could see it. Maybe there's, I don't know if there was another one on the Padres side. So, like, righties don't have to peer their neck all the way over to see um to see the pitch clock but i liked the pitch clock not being visible on the screen because that allowed me to focus more on the game like 
The pitch clock is still there, so I know that the pace of play is going to be better, but I'm not focused like looking at the pitch clock during every pitch and like, oh, is he going to get it off in time? Is he going to get it off in time? You know, being worried about that. Like I was watching the Padre game yesterday in Peoria where we could saw, we saw, excuse me, the, the big, the big pitch clock. Right. Um, so I like that. I don't think the pitch clock should be visible for fans on TV right behind the plate. Now, I think that the, the score bug, I think that once the pitch clock, I don't think it needs to be up the whole time. Like when a guy's on the mound, they first get the ball and the pitch clock's up there, okay, 20 seconds or 15 seconds. I don't think it needs to be up the whole time. But once it gets to like five seconds, I think that's when the broadcast should put that up there so we know, okay, it's close to getting to a violation here. It's close to for the pitcher being, or maybe maybe it's not five seconds. Maybe they started at eight seconds because then we know that, okay, the hitter needs to be ready at this time. You know, I don't think it needs to be up there for the full time because then it's like if the, it's like the game in Peoria yesterday where we're just going to be looking at that clock. But I think it's, it's only, I think it helps the broadcasters too because they're looking at the field. I don't think they're necessarily paying attention to the clock between every pitch. So it'll help them too. Like it'll be on the screen for them and they'll be alerted. They'll know what's going on because there has been sometimes, and I know it's the first couple games, but there's been some times where the broadcasters have like, didn't even realize like what was going on when there was the violation. Like they just kept talking. So we'll see. Look, it, guys will get adjusted to it. I think fans will get adjusted to it. Some don't like it. I don't like it, you know, ending games like it did in that Red Sox Braves game today. But I, I do like that it definitely speeds up the game. Um, it's still nine innings, right? The, the format's still the same, but uh, it does improve the pace of play. And it makes it makes guys speed it up like let's go you don't need to be sitting there on the mound you know like keep throwing pitches i think it keeps the audience uh engaged uh bomani did you uh have did you want to say something here ben what's up uh it was a good game i watched the pottery game i did i liked it i think I think uh, we're ready for the regular season. Well, it's only it's only two it's it's only it's only two games in the into spring. But what do you think of the pit? What do you think of the pitch clock? Do you like it? Yeah, I do. I like the um, pitch clock. It um, it speeds up faster. Um, you know, it will it will uh. Hopefully, it will make the uh, games go faster. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, I watched the Dodger game. I, I watched the Dodger game. They're not. They're not looking good. Um, they. Well, it's they it, it's not... a spring. It's a spring training game. Like it's they're maybe they're not playing all yeah. their starters. It's the second game of spring. There's plenty of time left. So, um, yep, I don't I don't think is. they're worried about that. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining, it, man. I don't all right. Um, good, good question here by Preston. Is the pitch clock going to be in the postseason? Um, yes, I think so. I don't think there's been anything that has said that it's not going to be in the postseason. If it's in the regular season, then I would think that it would be in the postseason. Or maybe they decide to shut it off in the ninth inning. Um, I think by then... Like, come postseason time, guys will be used to it. It's not like the pitch clock. It's not like the postseason is in April, and they have a short time to get used to this. And the biggest games of the season are going to be when players aren't adjusted to these new rules. Like, so there's they're going to have six, seven months to be adjusted to the pitch clock. So I don't see... It, it being that big of a deal come postseason time. And if someone gets a violation, like it's their fault. You've been doing this for seven months. You know, you should know, you should have a rhythm by now. You should know how much time you have, right? I understand the violations now. Like, 
if someone if Blake Snell has a violation in his first start, it's not a big deal. If Darvish has a violation when he comes back from the WBC, it's not a big deal, right? Even if they have it during the regular season, you know, a few times, it's not the it's not the end of the world. They do have to get used to it. When Darvish and Snell, guys like that, they've been doing this for years and years and years, like having their own rhythm. And now all of a sudden they have to do this. It's going to take some time. It definitely is going to take some time. All right. Let me see if there's anything from social media here. Okay. I don't see anything. I'll get to some player comments here in a bit, but I just wanted to get some thoughts from you guys here. I pretty much gave my thoughts on what I saw today. Again, I, li I like the pitch clock not being visible, like r the actual pitch clock that the pitcher's seeing behind the plate, because I think fans are focused on that. Like, you cannot, like in Peoria the other day, you had, there was no way that you could, like, not see the pitch clock. It was just that huge. It's still huge. Like, I did see it on the side when they went to another angle, but the regular uh, center field camera, you couldn't see it. And I, I thought that allowed our eyes to be focused more on the game. So, again, Padres, they're now 1-1 one one in Cactus League play. They will be playing the Diamondbacks tomorrow, 12-10. That game is on Valley, I believe. So that's good news for Padres fans. We'll be able to watch that one, or most Padres fans will. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, pre good point by Preston here. It says Ghost Runner is not in the postseason. That's true. So maybe they don't go with the pitch clock in the postseason. Um, but the pitch clock is to, well, I guess, kind of both are to speed up the game. Um, the, the ghost runner, the ghost runner like changes the format of baseball. Like it puts a runner on second without the team at the plate earning it. The pitch clock, that's not putting runners on base. Like there's a difference there. The pitch clock is just saying pitch it now, right? There's still no one on base, but pitch it now. So I understand them maybe sticking with the pitch clock during the postseason because they still want the games to be going like at a they don't want it to be four-hour games probably still. Um, where with the Ghost Runner, in the postseason, you'll go as long as it takes to, to get a real winner. You don't want teams getting runners on second base and they didn't earn it, right? It's the postseason. Like, these games really, really matter. The pitch clock, do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's a little bit of a difference there. I have not, I, I have not heard that they're not going to have it in the postseason. Where with the Ghost Runner, when that first came out, I think we heard that they're not doing it in the postseason. It was just going to be a regular season thing. Some news out of Padres Spring Training Camp today. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be playing, or expected to be playing, on Tuesday against the Giants in Scottsdale. Monday's game is against the Dodgers in Peoria. So I'm, I'm wondering why they didn't have Tatis just do that game when it's in Peoria, but they have a schedule for him. They know more than we do. Um, here's Tatis. Let me pull up this video for you. Podcast listeners, you'll be able to listen to this too. Uh, Tatis on preparing for his first spring training game. I said, I just wanted to make sure that Diving back in the first place, start, stop, all that. Like, what do you feel like you need to get ready, be sure about before you can play? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm just checking boxes from a manager and from a team, but I'm definitely ready to be out there. How hard did you lobby to get in the first game yesterday? <laughs> it was a pretty uh, good argument, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, um, 
everybody's trying to do what is best for me. And obviously, I need to listen to my team and to the people uh, ahead of me and see what's the best plan for everybody. What was it like watching yesterday? Two hours and 30 minutes. Did you watch it? <laughs> I watched uh, very fast uh, five innings, yeah. Um, it's a, We'll see how that, how that out goes, but I feel like baseball has never been a time clock game, so we'll see how that's unfold. How do you, how do you balance kind of like how badly you want to get out there and kind of reacclimate yourself with the fact that it's February right now and you know you don't necessarily need to be doing everything full speed right now? <laughs> uh, I just want to get out there. I miss, I miss the game so much. Um, like I mentioned, I haven't been on the field for a very long time, and um, I just want to be out there with the boys. You know, I saw that lineup from 1-5, 1-9, uh, I just want to be part of that. All right, there's Tatis. It doesn't feel like he's that big of a fan of the clock. Like, he's someone that has been playing baseball, obviously, for a while, his whole life. He's been, he's been around baseball his whole life. And he's, he hasn't been playing in the big leagues, obviously, as long as Manny. But he's someone that likes to take his time, right? You know, at the plate, it feels like. Take his time walking up to the plate. You can't do that now with the clock. So I'll be interested to see Tatis play um, with the clock, you know, on, on Tuesday. Here's him when he was, ta when he was uh, asked by the media today about any base running limitations that he might have on him um, when he first starts playing. Do you expect to have any base running limitations this year besides maybe just needing to slide bait, um, feet first when you're stealing? No. no. You're not going to take it easy? Just had a couple surgeries? No. <laughs> You'll always slide feet first though, right? Okay. <laughs> That's easy. He's, he's talking to the media like, wait, you guys think I'm going to slow down here you think i'm gonna go feet first only like do you not know who i am i'm i'm fernando tatis jr like what what are you talking about here so um yeah that's i'm not surprised by tatis's answer i think it would be smart for him to not be diving head first maybe that's just me uh but look tatis whenever he's on the field like he's gonna give his full effort like that's just who he is I think he has learned to not sprint down the line on grounders to short, like when he doesn't need to. But if he's stealing second base, or let's say he's on second base and someone singles to right and he's going to go try to score, and he thinks he can only get in there if he does a head-first dive, he's going to do the head-first dive. Like he, He's going to do whatever it takes to try to win, right? So... If he gets hurt doing a head-first dive, yeah, that's going to probably suck. Um, and could that have been prevented by a feet-first slide? Maybe it could have, you know, in the future when that play presents itself. But this is just who he is. And he had the surgeries, right? The shoulder surgery, the wrist surgery. So hopefully when he dives head-first, you're not going to see those subluxations. You're not going to see... Um, him what, what year was that 2021 when i think he had the subluxation going into third base i forget who they were playing it was either oakland i think or colorado and he had the subluxation there so on those type of plays maybe that doesn't happen because he had the surgery right so i think we also got to remember that that his shoulder his wrist it's supposed to be more stabilized now which is obviously a good thing, right? Um, so here was Bomel. Initially, he did not want to tell the media today when Tatis was going to play first in Cactus League, when he was going to make his debut. But then he ultimately spilled the beans. Fernando's start yet? I do, but I hesitate to say something in case... You know, something were to transpire. Let's just say it's in the worst week, in the first week. Right on the border, <laughs> depending on which way you're rounding. Actually, that it, I, I'm hoping it is the game in San Francisco. But the training, 
Yeah, he's very aware of that. <laughs> so he's always lobbying for a little earlier too, but training staff, everybody has a little say in this one. All right, so Tuesday. Tuesday, the debut of Fernando. Or at least that's when it's expected to be, the spring training debut. Is that game going to be on TV? It's a road game, so I don't know if Bally's going to cover that, but hopefully the Giants TV crew is covering that game. Um, or it's a webcast game or something. Because we're all going to be waiting to see Fernando, right? That first action. That's what we want to see, right? We've been waiting for a long time to see Fernando back on that field in a game situation, right? We've seen him hit BP now, right? We saw him in those rehab games before the suspension last year, and that was cool. Uh, we were anticipating that return, right? And then the PD suspension came, and it was like, uh, it was a very sad time, right? Um, but now he's going to be back, and yeah, he's going to be suspended for the first 20 games. But we know that base, the baseball field is like Tatis's happy place. So to be able to see him, you know, be back in that element, you know, be happy, smiling, it's going to be fun to see. Um, and he's going to get work in right field. He'll probably DH some games during spring because they don't want to have him out there every day, I would imagine, out there. I mean, he, he wants the reps, right? But. I think it would be best for him to not be playing the field every game in spring training, right? You can get him the at-bats without putting him out there in the field and risking maybe him diving for a ball in the gap or something when he doesn't need to be, but his instincts just take over, right? Uh, Adrian Morahone threw a simulated game this morning. Joe Musgrove was on the mound this morning as well. Juan Soto hit a bomb off of him. I don't know if you guys saw that. On 97.3, the fans' Twitter. Was it a fastball? I think I'm watching it right now. It was a fastball. This might be good for the podcast audience, too, to be honest, because you'll be able to hear the crack of the bat. You can hear the fans right when he hit that. That crack of the bat, man, that is that is an amazing sound. Amazing sound. And then back to Adam Angle, that injury update. I'm just scrolling through 97 through the fans' Twitter. Uh, they do a great job. Sammy Lovett does a great job of updating this. Uh, Angle dealing with that right cap, right cap strain. He's going to be a little bit, according to Bob Melvin. So, again, we'll see. Like I said earlier, we'll see what the impact is of that right calf strain. We'll see how long he's going to be out. When is he going to first see that first spring action uh, in a Padres uniform? How many of that bats is this Okar going to get during this time, you know, in front of the Padres coaching staff where Angle is not going to get those, right? How much more at bats is David Dahl going to get because of Angle's injuries, right? So we'll see. Um, here's Seth Lugo after his two innings talking about how he felt. He's a little bit of everything out there. How'd you feel? Yeah, yeah, I felt good. Uh, you know, trying to mix in all the pitches in two innings and, uh, you know, got them all in. I was pretty happy with the action on a lot of them. More than you were able to do, like, just going two innings in in the past couple of years, right? Like for the mix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, got to work on them, um, you know, some stuff in the past, you know, just you don't really need them, but uh, now I'm going to need them, so got to work on them early. Can you explain how the arsenal, how you expect the arsenal to change a little bit? Uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, separating a, a slider and a cutter, it's kind of been a blended pitch, you know, one day it's a slider, one day it's a cutter, so I'm just trying, trying to separate those a little bit and, um, you know, get the change up usage back up. Really good first spring you've gotten to be a starter from the beginning of the spring. Um, it's been uh, it's been five years. 2018 was the last time I was starter in spring. So, what do you think this could mean for you as far as actually being able to get that spring to, to get ready as a starter and you know get into a groove that way? Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, you know the uh, uh, the 
part that I was, you know, missing the few years where I had some starts in the middle of the season, just not building up over the winter and then coming into spring, you know, a good four, four and a half months, five months to, to get your body accustomed to it. So, you know, I think that's uh, really beneficial. All right. So there's a little bit of Seth. I think there's some more that I can play. Um, he was talking about that slider. What do you say? Slider cutter combo. So I was reading something the other day. I forget who it was from. I apologize to one of the Padres beat writers, whoever it was. Um, they were just talking about Seth Lugo and him starting. It's going to allow him to have more pitches than he had as a reliever. As a reliever, think about it. You're only pitching one, two innings, most of the time one inning. And so you might feel a particular pitch and be like, I'm just going to ride this pitch for this inning. But as a starter, you face a lineup one time around, couple times around, and you're just riding with that one pitch. That second time around, if you even get to a third time around, the top of the order maybe for the third time, and you're still riding that pitch, you're not going to have success, probably. I would imagine your success is going to go down because the other team knows you're riding that pitch and you're going to keep using that pitch. So they're expecting it. They're going to be sitting on that. But now that Lugo is going to be transitioning into a starter role, at least to start the season, he can, he, he's going to expand his pitches, right? The number of pitches he has and the pitches he uses. His curveball was big as a reliever, and I'm sure he's still going to use it. Um, but that was like his big pitch, it felt like. I mean, maybe Mets fans will say it wasn't, but it, him coming over from the Mets, like that's what I saw. Like I remember watching highlights of Lugo right when he signed with the Padres. Like he has like one of the best curveballs, breaking balls in baseball. So how much is he going to use that? Um, we'll see. If he's like if he really feels that pitch, does he still have to go to a cutter, a slider, use you know mix those pitches in as a starting pitcher when he didn't really have to do that as a reliever? Like these are some things that he's going to have to probably work through. And Luis Camposano, I think he was catching today. Austin Nola, if he catches Lugo, things that they're going to have to communicate about. And also as a starter, I just thought of this, with the pitch calm, right? If Lugo feels a pitch, he's going to have to use that. Because as a reliever, maybe you only had the catcher calling the signs and he had two, three pitches. And okay, you shake once, go to the next pitch. All right, boom, there's the pitch, you can go. But now with the clock, and let's say he has, I don't know how many officially, I don't know how many pitches he has in total. Let's say he has four or five pitches. And Campy calls for a curveball, doesn't want it. Calls for a fastball, doesn't want it. Well, how much time just came off the clock, right? Six seconds maybe, seven seconds, who knows? Five seconds, Stuff, time came off the clock. So eventually he has to go to a pitch, and he's just going to have to call it himself. Um, so look, it's, it's a process that catching the catchers, pitchers, they're all going to have to adjust to, right. And work through maybe starting pitchers will have to command or take more control than relievers because of how many they might be using more pitches than relievers will, um, if that makes sense. So that's something to look for too. Who, who? Will starters have more violations or will relievers have more violations, right? Uh, let's see here. Here's more from Lugo. I'll get back to the chat, obviously, here in a sec. Yeah, uh, it was definitely definitely different. Um, it's going to be an adjustment. Um, you know, I noticed... You know, sometimes you're not sure what pitch you're going to throw. So you want to get the, you know, catcher's opinion first. But then, you know, you shake twice and you look up and you got to pick a pitch. So it's uh, – I feel like you're going to have to have a, uh, a game plan going in and you're going to have to stick with it and be really prepared going out there because it, it, it comes quick. That was – I definitely noticed out there. At that point, I mean, did you have the buzzer? Did I you did. have it? So then would you call it at that so point? So when I knew what I wanted to throw, I'd go to it I'd, before I'd get on the mound. And – uh and I told him, you know, take control of the game, you know, I'll see how you're working. If I want to adjust, we'll adjust. But um, if I have something, I'm going to give it to you before I even get on the rubber. So that's what I did. And then, you know, there was a couple couple pitches where I wasn't quite sure and I didn't like the options. But then, I, you know, I just had to pick something. 
right. so, so at times you're you're collaborating with the catcher, but at times you're just telling them what you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, as time's running out, you don't want to have a ball called on you. But what if you don't like the pitches that the catcher is calling? You have to pick something, right? And so maybe pitchers. Oh, obviously, sometimes they're going to be rushed, and they're not going to be throwing the pitch that they really want to throw uh, because it took, took too much time. The catcher called pitches A or B. Pitcher didn't want those, so the pitcher calls for C, but maybe looking back on it, you know, at the end of the inning, they're going to say, well, I probably wanted pitch a D in that situation, but the clock was running down. I had to pitch. I had to pick a pitch. That's what I picked, you know. So we'll see. We'll see how some pitchers aren't going to like this. Some will because they're they like the picking up the pace. Maybe they don't have to think about it. Um, some will be uncomfortable with it, and some will probably adjust to it. And be, maybe they'll be uncomfortable with it at the beginning. Uh, but then they'll be comfortable with it, hopefully, by the end of the season. Maybe Snell's going to be uncomfortable with it just to start, but hopefully he gets better with it as the season moves on, right? Um, getting back to the chat here. Mike asks, do you think the larger bases are more for player safety or to encourage more stolen bases? They are noto noticeably larger. Uh, yeah, I don't really notice the bases being larger just on the broadcast, uh, but they are larger, obviously. I think that, to answer your question, Mike, I think the larger bases are more for player safety. I don't know how much of a difference three inches are going to make, or how, how many inches is it? It's like three inches, I think, on all sides. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make on Tatis stealing bases. Like, that's going to be, is that going to flip a switch on players and be like, well, last year the bases were a little bit smaller, so I, I was not going to steal. But now I'm going to just start stealing every time I get on base, right? Or a, a lot more frequently. I don't think so. Some guys maybe, but... I don't think you're going to see guys that didn't steal bases last year all of a sudden, you know, turn into D Gordon on the base pass, right? And just go running nuts, right? I don't think that's going to happen. Austin says, I heard Grish has a new swing. Is that true? I don't think he has a new swing. His follow through looks the same. I think that. He has gotten taller, like going into getting ready his load. Um, I think he's gotten taller there, kind of like how he was, I think, near the end of the season when he was having more success because he was more hunched over a little bit. It felt like during the regular season, but he's gotten back to being taller, which I think is what he was in 2020 when he had success. So I think that might be the change. I don't think his swing has changed. I think it's his approach um maybe not his approach but maybe his approach maybe maybe he wants to be more aggressive i hope he wants to be more aggressive this year but like his load um getting ready for pitches all right here's bob melvin after the game david doll the leap the dive the triple what does he bring experience too i mean good left-handed bat Bat stays in the zone for a while. Professional guys done it before. You know, certainly wants to, to come in and make an impression. And so far, so good. He's going to get some at bats. And he's, I think he's going to get more at bats because of the Adam Angle injury, and because they kind of have to, right? You're not going to be playing Tatis every day, and you're not going to have Tatis be going to every road game, right? You probably want most of the games to be in Peoria. Um. And the outfield depth, I mean, we knew that coming into spring training, Dahl was going to be fighting for a roster spot anyway, right? It, it's Soto and Grisham. Those are the two locked-in outfielders. That's it, right? I mean, Engel has, an, he has a major league contract, but I think 
I don't think his spot is guaranteed on the roster, to be honest. I think he's a favorite, like, if he's healthy, but I don't think it's guaranteed. If Azokar and Dahl, if Dahl is a really good spring training, I think he's on the roster, being as being the lefty. And if Azokar comes in and is playing better than Dahl, and maybe Angle is still dealing with that calf issue, then maybe they go with Azokar over Angle. Grisham, a couple of hits. What are you seeing from him early this spring? Yeah, I mean, it looks looks more aggressive. I know he's coming in trying to be more aggressive. Um, you know, his batting practice looked a little bit crisper, and he's getting after it a little bit more. And, you know, guy that, that's trying to recover from a bad season offensively, you know, and has the ability to do it. I like Grish being more aggressive. I mean, if you were watching Padres games last year, you saw that Trent, I mean, just the amount of times that he was watching, like, first pitches or just fastballs down the middle, regardless of what the count is, just watching pitches, that became frustrating. And there was a time where he was so lost where it felt like just bunt. Like, his best opportunity to get on base was to bunt. His best opportunity to impact the game was to bunt. Because if not, he was going to strike out. And a lot of the times, it was striking out looking. I think he led, yeah. This is, I think this is right from Irie. He led the league in strikeouts looking last year. And you don't want that. I mean, look, the Padres, they have a much better offense. But because they have a much better offense, you think that there's going to be more guys on base when Grish comes up to the plate. And you don't want those guys, you know, being stranded on the bases like sometimes last year uh, because Grish isn't swinging the bat. He's not being aggressive, right? And I think him being more aggressive could help as well because pitchers will see what happened last year and like, oh, Grish, he, was, he, he would like not swing at the first pitch sometimes. And pitch, other opposing pitchers were like, okay, he's, gonna be, he's just going to give it to me. All right, I'm going to take it. I'll take this strike. Just get ahead 0-1 in the count. It's like a batter violation, essentially. Like you're just taking the bit. You're taking a strike, taking the pitch. All right, thanks for thanks for giving me the 0-1 count advantage. That's not what you want to have happen, right? So yeah, I, I'd love to see Grish be more aggressive. I think he's gonna have a better year this year. He's he's gonna prove some of the doubters wrong. I think. All right. I'll get back to the chat, but first, this episode is sponsored by Gaglione Bros Famous Cheese Steaks and Garlic Fries. Their main location is on Friars Road, and you can visit gaglionebros.com for their menu and contact information. You can also enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and inside Snapdragon Stadium. All right, back to the chat here. Joey asks, what should the outfield look like in 2023? I would say Soto in left, Grisham in center, and Dahl in right. If there's a righty on the mound and then angle in right, if there's a, it would be a lefty on the mound uh, to start the year. And then when Tatis comes back, obviously, then Soto in left, Grisham in center, Tatis in right. That's how I would do it. All right. So I made that channel announcement yesterday on the show about at the end of shows, going to do a little bit of San Diego sports talk. I know this is a Padres show. But I just want to expand it a little bit uh, because I think that some San Diego sports, uh, the Padres obviously get covered. They're the, they're the big show in town. They should get the most coverage. But I think some sports, they don't get covered much, uh, especially on YouTube. Um, and I just don't think that they get covered enough. So I want to dedicate last five, ten minutes of shows, maybe more than that, based on whatever news happens. Um, I just want to dedicate that a little bit towards other San Diego sports. So that brings me to San Diego State. Uh, they play tonight. I'm excited for this tonight. Is this their last road game? Second to last road game of the season against New Mexico. San Diego State ranked 22nd in the AP poll, but that doesn't really matter because the net is the one that is like the closest to the actual tournament seating. Uh, but San Diego State, they're coming off that win against Colorado State. Before that, they beat Fresno. That game, I mean, that was a hard watch. 45-43, if you remember that, that was like a ref show. I mean, they just kept going to the uh, the review, what do you call it? The review, uh, 
not the booth. They just kept going to the the to watch reviews because they needed to make calls. Like they they kept getting calls wrong, and it was just back and forth. So hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. Uh, but New Mexico they beat San Diego State earlier in the year. Obviously, um, I think San Diego State obviously is going to be looking for revenge and not just look for revenge but this is this would be a good win for them new mexico's not ranked but they were ranked i think they were the last team in the country to be undefeated so they they won the map if you guys know what that is um i think San Diego state's going to be able to win it's not going to be easy the boise state i don't think this new mexico game i don't think it's a must win if San Diego state loses tonight they still get Boise State on Tuesday. Like, with a loss, I believe, tonight, they have a share of first place in the Mountain West. With a win, obviously, that's they still have first place in the Mountain West, regardless of what Boise does. Um, but if they lose, they still get Boise on Tuesday. And if they win that, then they have a really good chance of securing that Mountain West win. Um, I think that would at least guarantee a tie of the regular season title. If they won today and then beat Boise. Um, Boise is obviously the key game. Like that's the, and they play Wyoming um, on March 4th, next Saturday. Right? That's next Saturday, March 4th. Yeah. And Wyoming's without like their big player, right? Their best player, Graham E.K., I think is his name. So um, that should be a win. And saying their state, they like always win. At Viejas. I mean, their record is amazing at Viejas. Yes, I know the New Mexico game tonight. One of their losses was to New Mexico. But I think they'll win tonight. And then uh, I'm going to be excited for the Boise game on Tuesday, obviously. Yeah, Gil's, Gil's, Gil wants me to talk about the wave here. I'm excited for their season. I mean, they're going to be contenders, definitely. Yeah, Turnbow. I love watching her play. One of my favorite players. Um, her, obviously Morgan, but everyone can pick Alex Morgan. Uh, Christian Westfall. I think we have the best goalie in the league, Kaylin Sheridan. Um, it was weird cheering against her in the She Believes Cup because she was on Team Canada. Uh, all right, that, that's it for today. There's not a ton of San Diego sports to be talking about right now. San Diego State's really the main thing, uh, other than the Padres. Uh, yeah, Jaden Shaw is electric, too. She's 17. I think she's still 17. Yeah, I love watching her play. All right, that'll do it. Talking Fires, episode 346. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And maybe I'll talk to you tomorrow, or maybe I'll have an interview out tomorrow. We'll see. Thanks so much for watching. Go Padres. See ya.